Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Charlotte, North Carolina is our destination today for our adventure, and we're going to check in with the Senior Manager of Marketing, Advertising, Promotions, and PR for Spectrum Center's Concerts and Special Events, Eureka Brim. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So excited to talk to you today, and as we record this, right, you are about a week back into the office, or this is your first week back in, how, how are things going? What's it like readjusting for those of us who haven't gone back in like, uh, yet? How, how's, it, how's the process been for you? Well, this was our official first week back. I've gone in a couple of times just, you know, to grab things, folders, or catch up on things while, you know, it was quiet. But I have to admit, it was a small emotional moment on Monday to see all of my teammates and to just the energy, you know, the energy is what I realized what I missed so much. And so, you know, without just the little small things that will eventually get there, me finding things that I hid from myself, it's just been a awesome week. I remember that first time sitting back down at my desk uh, and literally I looked up at the calendar on, that I had on the wall and I have a giant 2020 wall calendar. Uh, with all the shows on it that had at that time were still live. I still had my pass list from our last concert sitting on my desk. And it was like this little, it was like stepping back in time in it, but it, you're a right. Frozen you're, memory. Yeah, it was, it was. And it was just, it was such a, a good feeling to be back uh, and, uh, and seeing people face to face. So uh, congratulations on the return to the workforce. Thank you. <laughs> so what, what has the last year been like? What, how have things been going in Charlotte? Ooh, let's see. It was, it was just a work in progress on every single, you know, and professionally, uh, personally. We just didn't know what was going to happen from one day to the next. And this is when you really have to give credit to leadership because, like, our team lead did a very good job of trying to communicate with us, trying to keep us motivated. But we, we really just didn't know you know, from day to day, week to week, what was going to happen next. So we all just had to operate in the, you know, pun intended, arena of <laughs> all, it's all going to be over soon and we'll see each other soon and we just can't wait to get back to work. We had to stay in that mind frame. Sure. You got to keep positive and keep, keep moving forward because it's so easy to get, you know, overwhelmed with everything that was coming over in the last year. Crazy. And then on a personal level, um, again, we, we talked earlier, I have a 13-year-old son. I turned 13 this year, so it was last year, 12. And it was the first time I ever realized, it seems like we're always together, but it was the first time that I really became aware of we're together, but we're always going to do something, right? 
Uh, he plays like every sport. It was always some extracurricular, you know, activity. This is the first time we had uninterrupted time every single day, seven days a week, <laughs> a day, and we learned a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. Get your mind in a 13-year-old boy's <laughs> world for a bit. Oh, man. Yes. So uh, that was very interesting. Uh, the part that I find grateful about that, I feel like some of the things that I learned and started to understand, I'm like, I don't think I probably would have been aware of this until you were like 21. <laughs> so thank goodness for that bond. We're, we're talking about your son, right? Yes. <laughs> TJ? TJ. <laughs> yeah, tell us about tell us about TJ and how he's been doing with with mom with the uh, arena life from home. He wanted to move on several different occasions. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to break out of here on several different occasions. TJ is just a uh, I can't even put it into words. He is just if you ever get the chance to meet him is a walking ball of energy you know he's almost like this little adult and I and I really have to say he was like my first introduction I've heard these things for years like energy never dies it just transfers I swear he is a mixture of so many different ancestors from our family because he'll say things and do things and I just have to stop and look for a moment (laughs) To make sure, because it sounds so familiar, and um, he's just awesome, you know, but he's going through this age of he's identifying who he is and trying to figure out his identity, and so, you know, here we go, growing pains. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, as, as, a, as a father of a 13-year-old boy myself, uh, I'm going through that every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, middle school is the best, right? We all have uh-huh. such great memories of how sensitive and caring everyone was in middle school. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, sometimes I've had to get in and try to referee the fortnights. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The NBA 2K, some of the things that have happened in here, like, what just happened? What is going on in that room? Blessing to be able to be home and and connect with our families. And for those for those of you who have you know uh, uh, folks at home that you connected with like you never did before, for better or worse, right? You had that time together, and so heading back into work, you know, obviously that's a concern for me. I'm sure for you, you know, it's all of a sudden now. Oh yeah, now you're kind of on your own a little bit more. Yes. Well, we tried to be proactive, and we got him in a few camps. So, you know, they could have something to do while I was at work. And so far it's been, you know, it's been working out. We've had a great week and um, let's just see how it goes. So for the first time we said, we don't have a plan and we always try to have a plan. We're just going to take this one day at a time because we just don't, you don't know. And I much rather enjoy our time together instead of always trying to, be proactive or figure it out or hoping it's going to turn out this way. We just don't know how it's going to turn out and we're okay with that as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Spectrum Center. For those of us who have not had the pleasure of visiting in person, uh, where, what's your place in the market? A little history of the arena? 
So Spectrum Center is a, I feel like, a beautiful entertainment portal. Fortunately for me, it was built in 2005. At that time, I was working for one of their partners. But how ironic is it that I had the opportunity to put together the entire ground blasting for, at that time, it was just the new arena. So yeah. that was back, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know, 2003 or don't, don't quote me on that part of it. Uh, but so I saw it from the very, you know, inception. I can remember being in meetings and talking about it. It was one of the first opportunities that I saw something start out as an idea, you know, a vision, a dream, and then to be able to watch it all come to fruition. When I talk about it to this day, it's just, it's, it's breathtaking. And so just a little bit of my history, I saw my first concert at the original Coliseum, July, I believe, 1981. It was the Jacksons and Stacey Ladisaw. So we were at one of the, uh, what was it, Paul? One of the EAMC, what, what's the little after hours? Yeah, part? Mixer. Mixer. So I showed up at one, we all yeah. in the breakout room and we were all in there. And everybody was saying like their first concert. And that's the first time I really dated myself. And my people, <laughs> I was like, Britney Spears. Yeah, and right. Session, I was like, oh, the Jacksons. Somebody <laughs> recently one of those told me their first concert was Ariana Grande. And I was like, oh, yeah, no. Like, oh, oh, no. How old are you again? Yeah, exactly. Okay. This was the OG moment. Of, okay. That's, so, so with that, I always wanted to work at the Coliseum. I remember being at that show. I remember we sat in section 111. We sat in row A, and I remember manifesting at 11 years old, I'm going to work here. You know, I really want to work here. I just thought it was so exciting. And so I always wanted to work at Spectrum Center. We always wanted to be there and the steps that I had to take to get there. Every day when I'm leaving out or to go to work or either to go home, I'm thinking, wow, it's amazing that it just begins with the thought and just keep going, keep going, you know? Well, and I know Spectrum Center is kind of known for a number of us as setting the bar a little bit on like artist welcomes and some other things, you know? I've, I've had some uh, PDFs cross my email a few times of, well, look what Spectrum Center did for this event. Hey, and you're, it's killing like, oh, man. you're killing yeah, us. You're killing us, Rico. so high that I'm like, what, 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 am I, what am I supposed to do to keep up with that? You know, like. <laughs> shout out, shout out to our GM, Donna Julian. I have to give her a plug because she most certainly allows me to use my creativity, but she has an operations background. So she's also standing there like, don't spend another dime, <laughs> but make it great. Make it great. <laughs> Do you, uh, you have a favorite example of something fun you did? Well, you know, we're all in on it. One of our greatest, I'm trying to think of, it's just been so many. One thing that we did that I was really proud of when Oprah Winfrey came, we created her Super Soul Garden that she had on her show. So we did, we tried to do this uh, replication of that. You know, backstage, we bought some green carpet and did a little, you know, green grass wall back background. And then 
my goal was I wanted to incorporate some sort of like farmer's market type of, you know, food, because of course it was the Weight Watchers uh, event tour that she was the host for it. But um, the event planner that we used came up with this great concept. She put these podiums out. We were able to put all these Weight Watcher snacks and we had all these fresh flowers. So at the end, we took the flowers and as guests were leaving, we were giving some of the ladies the flowers to take home. Oh, nice. You know, so that they could have a great takeaway after the event. And we were just so excited that she was there. Like, one of my favorite books is A Wrinkle in Time. So yeah. when we remade that movie and she was in it, I just, in my mind, that's who was showing up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> And we were just most excited. That was one of the best days. And the energy in the arena was just like on 10. And I also remember uh, Travis Scott. My son is a huge fan of Travis Scott's. And we just went all out for that one and how we just tried to incorporate creativity. And with that, thinking about looking at other arenas, I was on Barclays Center at the time and I was like, oh my gosh, they're killing it. This is awesome. They have this little baby Lamborghini. I was just, how can we top this? <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's always fun to see what everyone else is doing and then building from that, you know? And um, same with Pink. Pink was awesome. A lot of the ladies in the building are huge pink fan so that was a great collaborative effort where we all came together and everybody had something to throw in there to say you know here's what I want to contribute and it most certainly helped me with delegating and learning how to delegate and really understanding how the event can be good but it's great if you allow everybody to come in and help you bring it all to fruition. Yeah, I definitely saw some of the pink stuff. If I'm not mistaken, you all did like a bourbon lounge for Carrie Hart, right? Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. Ridiculous. I was setting the bar too high for the rest of us. <laughs> like, what the? A bourbon? I mean, what? <laughs> yeah, it was well, wild. That was one of the ideas from one of my, our teammates, and it turned out really great. So, you know, it was all hands on deck. On the sports side, since you've kind of seen the building go through so much, what was it? It's got to be really interesting. I don't know if any other sports team has had this happen where they were the Hornets. And, yeah. you know, there's the like the that look of the OG Hornets, you know, with the starter jacket. Everyone remembers that. I think everyone had a Hornets starter jacket, whether they watched basketball or not. Those were all over the world yes. for a period of time. And then they went to the Bobcats and the Hornets mm -hmm. went down to New Orleans and then they could change back to the Hornets, which I'm sure was a great moment. It was kind of like returning it to the city, but what was that kind of evolution or change and return like? It's so unique uh, for any city to have that happen. Well, see, I was there from the beginning. I'm born and raised in Charlotte. I have tried so many times to break out of the matrix and then something great happens and I end up right back here. And it is just a beautiful, beautiful place to live. So I was there from the beginning. Like I remember when we first got the Hornets and I remember how the city was so excited and, and embraced it. I remember I was in high school, couldn't wait to get a ticket. It was just, I don't even know if I could put it into words like what it did for the city because of course, you know, North Carolina with basketball, you know, yeah. you know, collegiate basketball and to be able to 
take it to the NBA level. It was just just a regular person at that time as a fan from the outside looking in. Every time I think about it, it's just the excitement just takes me back to 10, what it just meant for the entire city. So to go to my first Hornets game as an intern in 1993, and was like, oh my gosh, I'm here. <laughs> and they're really yeah. on the floor and this is like really happening, you know, just a very exciting moment. And then I was an employee there when they decided to leave, but it was the first time that I was able to watch things being conducted as I learned it's business. You know, sometimes work for the greater good and it all lines up and you can all work it out. And sometimes it does not. And then you just have to come up with creative ways and plans to keep to keep going. You know, and that was a I should say maybe just a, an unpleasant time for us as a city, but we persevered through. We got to the other end of it and our leadership in the city of that time, they never gave up. They kept going to the NBA until they created another opportunity. So then here comes the Bobcats. And that was an awesome time. Everybody was really excited about it. And it's always working for your good, right? Because the Bobcats come, we worked it out where we could get an arena in uptown. And then all the things that came to fruition after we knew that we were getting an arena, like the uptown nightlife, restaurants, everything that it did for the economic impact of the city was just perfect. Everything about it was awesome and it aligned itself. So it's one of those things how people say, sometimes you think it's a, a setback, but it's really not. It's aligning itself for it, it all to work out for the greater good later. It was a small group of citizens in Charlotte that decided that we wanted to be the Hornets when they found out that uh, New Orleans wanted to change to the New Orleans Pelicans, right? And they started this little small petition and then it, it grew and yeah. grew and got the right attention. And we were all there watching it like, wait a minute, like we, we might be on to something. And, you know, they kept taking these uh, the polls and they kept taking it to uh, social media and, and getting intake and everybody wanted it. And so to watch that come to fruition and to bring it all back home again, where we felt like, it just it just feels right. Yeah. It was just an awesome. What what's a, what's a word greater than that? Like it was just I that opening night was just what what can I say? Fun time had by all. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was very nostalgic and kind of a full circle moment too, where you remember them being the Hornets. And being an intern, you know, that first yeah. intern at the game and you're like, you have that emotional connection to that Hornets name and then having that kind of return in your current role, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it was an incredible experience. And now you all are Buzz City, you know, it's like, you know, it's, you got, you got some of the coolest jerseys and all kinds of amazing branding and marketing going on. I still sing a little song every day as I'm walking some song from the parking lot. To the arena. I still get excited every day when I have to go to work. I did just think of one funny moment again. My son watched all of this come to fruition and he said he was never coming to the games because Rufus was no longer there. But then as soon as he saw Hugo, it just was like instant, okay, like I'll come back. Yeah, <laughs> By the way, Rufus was the, was the old mascot. <laughs> yeah. 
R.I.P. Rufus. <laughs> For those who you know uh, are listening here, uh, tell us a little about your role currently, because I know in 2019 you kind of had a transition. So, so walk us through the, the timeline of kind of what you what you've been doing there at, at Spectrum Center and with with AEG and you know uh, in, in this role specifically and kind of where you're at now. So it's so ironic how things happen, and we all know in our end of the business, everything it's based on. Someone may share your name with someone and it's like, okay, let's try it. So here's a little walk down history. Eric Bressler, everyone knows Eric Bressler was actually my first supervisor that hired me at the Charlotte Coliseum. Sporty Geralds, it's a well-known name in the industry as well, was the GM there at the time. And he gave me a unpaid internship as an opportunity. A year and a half later, Eric Bressler is hired as the director of marketing and it was love at first sight. Some of the things that we experienced together when we need a some sort of comedy special, let me just say that. So, um, <laughs> so I've known Eric, if I'm not mistaken, since maybe 1995, it may have been as early as 1994. So all those years, you know, Eric ends up leaving. I can't remember where he went first, but we've never lost contact. We always find a way to, you know, check in on each other, see how the other one's doing. So something happened. The marketing contact at uh, Spectrum at the time left, and they didn't have anyone there. And I was at that time working as a consultant. I had left my other position from my old job. And I was trying to become acclimated with being a mom and trying to balance still working. I was trying to figure out how can I make it all work together? So Eric called me one day and said, hey, we have an opportunity. Wonder if you could go over to Spectrum and help out Donna and her team for three months till we figure out what we want to do next. Just three months. Yeah, we'll just kind of go from there. And I was like, sure, because I already had a relationship with them. They had worked with me on one of the largest basketball tournaments we had ever done in the city. And it had been very, very successful. So I, I was over there a lot, you know. And so I was like, okay. So I went, I believe it was like August of 2013. I was supposed to just stay until December of 2013 and then eight years later (laughs) here we are i'm still there and it was us trying to figure out how we're going to work best and again it made me think outside of the box and it was a constant work in progress we had so many things that we had to put in place before we could figure out how are we going to get a good rhythm? How are we going to get you know a good algorithm of what makes sense for us and what we do on a daily basis that we just had to go through changes for all those different years until we got to this point. So our department now consists of its booking and ticketing, which you know we work very close with in arena marketing. And we just have the best team. We have the, the best meetings. You know, it's always a good meeting when you're laughing. You get to share personal things in the meeting. And then you can still get the work done because work should be fun. Yes. That's how I always envision it. So from there, any concert, special events, you know, once our booking agent, Dan Bain, he books it. And he's it between us and the box office. And we come up with every creative concept that we can. And what I love about it is... You know, even our box office, we're on the phone with them and they're giving us ideas as well. And they're saying, like, what about this? Or we did this in our last, 
you know, my last building. We love those things. And we're just taking all of those and we're just building it. And I'm just excited for our future and to see what it's all going to look like next year this time. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun watching it just all manifest itself because, you know, we started this and then everything shut down. And so now it's our reboot. Yeah. I think everyone's kind of uh, excited for that return, but also uh, eager to make some new, you know, refreshing changes and kind of see what, what the future lies ahead for all of us. Agree. You mentioned it, you know, a, a little bit, but you've been a, a champion of Charlotte for a long time, right? Because uh, you were senior director of marketing and special events for Charlotte Regional Visitors Authority. Yeah. So you had quite a run there. How, how do you think that helped prepare you for your current role? Well, I wasn't prepared. <laughs> <laughs> we never are. We're all still faking it. That's another thing that I had to learn as well. I went there as a, like I said, an unpaid intern, and I just had the greatest expectations. But, you know, this industry is very fast paced, right? And so I had to learn in hindsight one of the best things you can ever do is attach yourself to a great mentor and someone who has foresight and kind of say, well, think about this or consider this or, you know, do you think about this? And after Eric left, it was almost like you got to figure these things out. Let me go back to one. I have to put a pin in that and go back. I did have another great mentor in that sure. Her name is Wendy Oglesby. Wendy works now. She's, I think she might be the VP of marketing for Blumenthal, which is our smaller venue for performing arts um, in Charlotte. And Wendy did a great job in my career preparing me as it relates to technology, you know, as it relates to learning uh, different computer programming and different things just to make it all easier. So she created this life of learning for me and created an opportunity for me to always do research and try to figure out is this an easier way to make everything happen. But then with that, there's so many other things that play a role in the middle of that that no one really can prepare you for. You know, sometimes it's just the difference in personalities. You know, yeah. it is the difference and it's always something political is always happening, you know, which has to shift different things. And when I was experiencing those things, I can remember at that time in my life feeling like I always try to give people a visual. So don't you remember on Sesame Street when they used to have the little uh, things, one of these things don't belong here? These things not okay. like sure. Yeah. That's what I used to feel every day, every single day going to work. I would be in the car driving, trying to figure out now, how am I going to fit in? How am I going to make this work? But what I look like, right, doesn't make you think I would be afraid of anything. I had to figure that out during the pandemic as well. So, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a statuist, you know, female. I'm like 5'9". And I've, you know, been raised in the South. And we've been taught, you know, that's fine. That's just how we are. I come from a family that's very you know, confident and made me feel like, well, you're, that's fine. That's no problem. But I had to learn later on sometimes for females and especially I think, you know, minority females that if you look a certain way, 
then you're going to automatically be labeled a bully before you say anything because you look like you wouldn't be afraid. You look like you may not need help or you look like certain things, you know, wouldn't hurt your feelings or wouldn't make you feel a certain way. And I did a very good job or I didn't do a very good job of camouflaging, of making it seem like I was that person and, and I was not. There were days that I could be so honest and transparent that I would just sit in the parking lot and just cry Yeah, sure. before I had to actually go in the building because I was trying to figure out and find my way and I couldn't do it. I could not do it. And it made me figure, feel like, you know, so many emotions and so many things to start to swim in through your head, but most of all, it also will make you react in a lot of situations opposed yeah. to taking a deep breath and learning how to respond in those situations. And so I'm shocked that I survived as long as I did, but I did. And I was able to work there. I started out again as an intern, I believe in 19, imagine this, I just thought about something. My first day at work was September 11th, 1993. Imagine all those years later, every time that, you know, the date comes up, I think about that as well, right? And I ended up leaving there I think it was sometime around November, uh, November 2011. And it was not like the transition that you want, but it had to happen. And I had to get to the other side of it. But while I was there, we built so many successful campaigns. We had so many great wins. And if anything different, I think that I would have done a better job Here's another uh, defining moment for me. So sometime, I don't know if it was when I was in high school or I went to um, college here, Barbara Scotia College in Concord, North Carolina, which is about 40 minutes, right, from my home. But while I was there, I ended up reading this book by the the sisters called the Delaney Sisters. And they're um, actually from Mount Vernon. And I have a lot of extended family that's from Mount Vernon. And in the book, the the women are basically saying for black women, you have to be smarter. You're gonna have to be stronger. You have to be wiser. You have to be three times of that. And I think that it created this thing in me that I could never say, I don't know. Or I could never be honest and say, "I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Or I have no idea that made me feel like I was failing. And I, in hindsight, I feel like now if I had just been honest in a lot of things and said, I don't know if I can really do that. I don't know if, you know, we have the bandwidth or everything that we need to make that come to fruition. I just kept going. You know, I just kept going and kept going. And it's just, I just hit a wall one day and it seemed like I hit a wall in every area of my life, in every area. But it also was the greatest opportunity where there was something in me that made me feel like, I don't really want to focus on what happened. I want to try to focus on why did it happen? Because I don't want to have experience again. And so I started doing all this internal research to get me to the other side and it worked. talk Talk to that young woman who's listening right now and who feels, you know, she's new to the industry 
and she feels probably like you felt in, you know, 1993 or 94. Obviously, she's got a cell phone and uh, access to a, a little more stuff at her fingertips. But, you know, what, what was the breakthrough for you? What helped you get to the point where you said, I'm not giving up. I'm going to, I'm going to keep pushing ahead and I'm going to, and I'm going to be stronger. I have, you know, I believe now that there are these, I learned this thing called behavior modifications, right? And it's, it's based on things that we don't even realize that we've experienced as children. And it may be you watching a TV show, you know, you listen to something on the radio, you have no idea things that we have deeply buried in our subconscious that are waiting there to break through, to help us get to where we need to go, right? So here's two funny moments of that. One, my grandfather and I were extremely close and my grandmother. My parents um, separated when I was two. We moved back in the house with them. And I will always believe that that was one of my saving graces. He introduced me to the Marvel and DC comics, right? And I can just remember (laughs) us sitting, watching Wonder Woman. Yeah. And him always saying to me, you need to pay attention. That's who you're going to (laughs) be. That's what you're going to be. Wanda Carter, right? Yeah, you're going to have to be strong like that. You have to be, that's one. And here's a very funny moment that's going to (laughs) take us. Y'all going to have to get me back on track after this one. But my great grandmother also lived with us because my grandparents had nine children. When my great-grandfather passed away, my grandmother moved in, of course, to help my grandmother with the kids. And I used to live in the room with my great-grandmother. She was a very religious woman. And she used to listen to one of these first prosperity preachers, like back in the 70s. We would go to sleep to his broadcast every single night. But he would be in there saying stuff like, you know, so a man thinketh. Or he would say stuff like, you know, you, you are what you think about. Or, you know, you deserve to live abundantly. And all these things that I guess they were just in their lying dormant. And when I got myself in a very dog dog place, <laughs> they were in there like whispering like, well, you can get to the other side of it if you just change your thoughts. And I think the most important thing that I did was that I did not sit in blame for what I thought anyone had done to me. I was totally focused on what I needed to do to become the best version of Eureka that I could become. And I think that's the wisest thing you can ever do. And my advice would be, life is not happening to any of us. We are creating it. And so if you can 51% just bet on yourself and just stay focused and just in that space, why not? I yeah. love, thank you so much for sharing. I, I really, I know it's not easy stuff to talk about, right? But I think that's, it's so important because, you know, we have a chance to make things a little bit better. Yes. Make the, make the path a, a, a little bit easier to walk on for the next generation. 
And I know that's that's a, a main focus uh, of mine, uh, heading up uh, EAMC. And I appreciate your work there. You're part of the uh, diversity inclusion group there, and and recently, very recently, uh, have joined our, our board. And I'm excited about Thank that. You. But one of the things you did, it looks like this is very recently, right? You just got uh, certification in diversity, equality, and inclusion. So tell me about that process and and what the certification process is like. So we have so we have such a strong support group at work. Um, at that time, my team lead, I have to do all these name drops because these are so many people that have helped me and I've just really come to respect and love them. Marlene Hedricks, who won a couple of different industry awards, that time was my team lead. And so we spent a lot of time on the phone and she found out about it um, during the pandemic. And she was like, here's something that I think could help you because she most certainly believes in professional development, any class, any podcast, anything you can listen to to make you a better version of you, she's all for it, right? So she told me about it, and I was like, man, I kind of got my hands full just trying to keep us motivated, but something was like, you should do it. So it was a seven-week course, if I can remember correctly. It was given by the University of Florida, and I think you pronounce it there, MUMA, college. If I did that wrong, forgive me, but it was so interesting. <laughs> From the very first course, I was like, I was hooked because for the first time, not only did I have the terms to help me identify some of the things that I had experienced, I now had the tools. And the most important thing that it did is it also allowed me to understand some of my own biases and some of the things that I go into situations with a preconceived notion or I've told myself, which I say I have this, you know, sixth sense or this whole gift of discernment of this is what it's going to be. I've been doing a better job of like, don't do that because you really don't know and don't always associate something to someone because I feel that we all could probably do a better job if we open up our minds to not so much what a person may be, but why they're like that. I like that. Once you, yeah, once you kind of yeah. hear someone's story, even if it's a short version of it, it allows you, and especially me, not to be so judgmental or not to think that that was deliberately done as a slight towards me it really opens up your mind to say, this is a, a person's defense mechanism. It has nothing to do with you, Erika, you know, the person. And the courses were awesome. And I went through all seven weeks. I used to really get excited on Wednesdays because I was looking forward to what's going to be the topic, what they're going to talk about. And they made them so convenient. If you couldn't make it that, you know, when the classes um, aired at five, they were taped, you could go back and look at them. And so it made it work. And I just learned so much. And I felt like I, I started something, I completed it. So it, you know, it gave me a boost of confidence that here's something that I never even considered or thought about. Well, why not? Why not learn how to be a better version of you? And I most certainly think that you should take all those things from me and try to help someone else that might need it. I think one of the big things that I hear you focusing on and talking about, which maybe is sometimes overlooked in different professional careers, is that 
as important as it is that you are talented at your job or, you know, doing the number crunching or thinking of the ideas, so many professions and I mean, live entertainment is absolutely one of them is also about relationships and negotiating, uh, friendships, negotiating, uh, professional relationships, um, you know, how to, how to communicate with someone that you work with and how to communicate with yourself. And I think, you know, something it seems like, you know, you've really taken to heart and is really probably a credit to your success you've had is because, you know, you, you have constantly been looking at, you know, different, you know, ways to advance that. And I think maybe, young people and you know they're they're young they don't necessarily know but you know might get hyper focused sometimes on on the the details and the minutia of getting the job done but just as important is you know understanding your coworkers having a great relationship with them they're going to have your back you're going to have theirs and also knowing like how to develop yourself you know over your career like you know you you need to kind of advance yourself. So, you know, hearing you talk about these, you know, going to classes and having this drive to sort of constantly push yourself to be better, I think, you know, people should take inspiration from that because, you know, it's very much a part of anyone's career is their own personal development beyond, uh, you know, just getting the job done or checking the box at the end of the day. I agree 100%. I I discovered that book, The Secret, and then I... Right. <laughs> yeah, I read it like a few times and then I watched the video. I've lost count, right? But in that, I started to realize, I started to say to myself, someplace around 20, I don't know, 15, 16, let's say if you had like a challenging day, I started to say, well, why did I attract that? Instead of saying what someone was doing to me. It was always for me like there's something that's happening where I'm attracting this challenging day. And if I can figure that out, then I can figure out how to change the entire energy of the relationship, you know, or of the conversation. Because we spend so much time at work. Again, work should be fun. And I feel like it's my job to try to make it fun. You know, and so I try to do a great job of being responsible of the energy that I take in there every single day. So without sacrificing what I need or what my son may need, I'm always thinking, well, who can I help today? You know, who may need my help today with, with whatever? Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think anything is above or beneath, you know, me. I'm just all about what can I do to try to make the team feel good, and we just let's all show up and try to do it again tomorrow. Uh, Eureka, you know you've got. You, I feel like you've got a lot of wisdom to share, and I and I appreciate you sharing just a few of your secrets here with us today, because uh, uh, I really believe in that. You know, you put the put the good out there, right? And it and it will help others, but it'll, it'll come back to you too. So, before we let you go, I do want to hit you with uh, our fast five. It's five okay. quick questions, just looking for your quick instant response. Mm -hmm. All right, how about we? We already know your first concert. By the way, I, I I did get to see see Michael Jackson, uh, not until the Bad Tour. So I got a few years after that one. But uh, how about how about your favorite concert? Well, let me say this: it was a special event. It wasn't a concert. May I say that? Absolutely. Go for it. You may not believe it. I met Mother Teresa. No way. June of nineteen ninety five. At I was at my first arena marketing conference, 
We got a call that she was coming and I flew back. I was like, I'll go back to um, see, you know, to, to help with it. In the neighborhood that I live in right now is the neighborhood my grandparents built their first house in. And she was coming to bless a house in this neighborhood with nuns that were actually from her convent. This is the true story, guys. You can Google it. Charlotte, North Carolina, June 1995. And the neighborhood is called Cherry Neighborhood. Since then, it's a historical neighborhood. So I'm the third generation of my family to do that. But when she was here... You know, we were transitioning, trying to get her from, you know, different rooms, I guess, to meet, you know, different people from um, the church. But in one moment, as we're heading out to the stage, she did touch my hand. And I will always believe she said something. I don't know what she said or she thought something, but I will always believe that something awesome happened to me that day. And it's been helping me get to the other side every since. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. That's amazing. All right. How about your favorite place to go on vacation? Um, Miami. I love the beach and I love water. And I would say close to that would be Mount Pleasant in South Carolina. How about the last TV show that you binged? Uh, Loki. Oh, yeah. I- oh, yeah. No spoilers. No spoilers. Yeah. You need to know that I am obsessed with the Marvel franchise. And that is the key to my heart. If anyone has any questions or really wants to get, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) How about your favorite guilty pleasure food? Oh, anything from Outback Restaurant. My favorite meal from there is Alice Springs Chicken, but yeah. I get so upset because every time it's time to celebrate, that's where I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, last question for you. What is the Eureka Show theme song? So you get a TV show all about you, the cameras follow you and your family around and, you know, all, all of your life. And, you know, uh, what is the one song that would be played over the opening credits of the Eureka Show? Boom, we're moving on up from the Jeffersons. (laughs) And there we go. Hey, I really appreciate your time here today. Thank you so much for everything. So great. Uh, Hope we get to share some uh, Alice Springs chicken together uh, in person sometime. Hi. Before I let you go, if somebody wants to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way? What's uh, or anything you want to plug? Well, you can go on our website. It's very easy. All of our email addresses are on there, but I'm ebrim at hornets.com. Um, and I'm always available to talk and chat. I believe that's what makes us all better in this industry. I'm looking so forward to serving on the board and doing my part. And I just thank all of you for just being so welcoming and making us want to feel a part of it. And I just want to, to make up for any lost time. I really appreciate the opportunities that you created for everyone during the pandemic and most certainly gave us confidence to keep going. We're just getting started. Lots more great stuff to come. Thank you for the for the kind words. And, and thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venueland. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference. 
a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.